0: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Welcome back to Wellfar, the podcast for runners around the world who want to run strong and run happy. It's hosted by me, Amy Lane, and we meet weekly to discuss the ins and outs of this healthy pursuit, while also talking to runners you'll recognize about why they caught the running bug and what keeps them motivated. Today, we're discussing the gear and gadgets worth spending your hard-earned cash on, because it doesn't matter if you're just a casual runner who clocks miles for headspace, or a marathon runner chasing a PB. The truth is, wearing the right kit can help your running endeavours. And who better to coach you in the best running kit for 2021 than Kieran Alger? As a self-confessed tech-loving run geek, he's clocked 42 marathons, bagged a top 100 finish at the Marathon des Sables and run the entire length of the Thames. That's 190 miles in three days. Mad. And lucky for him, he sort of calls it work because when he's not clocking crazy miles, he peers into the crystal ball to see what's coming next in running, testing and writing about gadgets, sports tech, fitness and nutrition for various outlets, including his new project, the Run Testers on YouTube, and you guys should all go check it out because it's fab. Right, let's get Kieran on the phone to talk about this year's best running gear and his thoughts on the much-hyped Peloton treadmill. Hi, Kieran. Welcome back to Wellfar.
0: Uh, thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's been a, been a year.
1: A year, yeah. How has your year been?
0: <laughs> it's been interesting, like everyone else's, I'm sure. it's uh, Actually, it's been quite a weird time to sort of run. I've It's been quite freeing for me in some ways because... I was racing, racing, racing and because there are no races, I've had a bit more time just to run for Headspace and I've enjoyed running with no particular goals or aims and I found it quite freeing. I don't know if you've kind of found, I mean, your experience has been very different this year, so yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm having the experience of getting back into running after not running for multiple months and my God, it is tough.
0: It's amazing, even after just two weeks, it's always hard. I I find the hardest thing is getting back into that mental space where you can get the regularity of it, you know, to get the habit back, even as much as the long run.
1: Yeah, when you you actually enjoy it, as opposed to sitting there for half an hour before really putting it off, or on a bad day, putting it off for like five hours throughout the day before actually finally doing that run. And then you realise three minutes in that it's actually not all that bad, and that the worst thing was just getting out the door.
0: And the funny thing is that I've, I've been running for well over 10 years now and that still is there for me. I, I still procrastinate. I think everybody does it to the point where in the end, my wife will say, look, two hours in, can you please just go for the run? Just go out. You're winding me up, pacing up and down, fiddling with gadgets, charging things, picking up headphones, changing shorts, you know, just get, you've got to just get out and get on with it, haven't you?
1: I like your wife now would actually be quite a good time for me to ask you about your running background would you just give the guys who are listening in just a kind of a bit of a snippet to your backstory as a runner and also a little bit about your new project run testers because I think it's amazing
0: yeah sure running was always a bit of uh, football training that I hated I was a footballer rather than a runner and it was always it was the worst bit when you turned up to a, a session and the, the person doing the training would say put the balls away tonight lads we won't be needing those and you'll just be doing you know doggies up and down the pitch and then I basically found running I did a 10k around London on a beautiful sunny morning the Essex 10k with the crowds and everything I came home from that and I signed up for a half straight away did the Royal Parks half and then I just I fell in love with it just by those moments of you know training for a challenge and then doing the challenge and being surrounded by crowds and then I realized you know but like that process that most people go through that There's so many gains to be had for mental health and the way it made you feel that I started from scratch and built up very slowly, but eventually I've now done silly things like run across the desert for the Marathon to Saab. A couple of years back, I ran the Thames from source to sea with 190 miles in three days. I run it pretty much every day. And as part of that, it dovetails with my job, which is testing all kinds of running gear from watches, shoes jackets everything and so as part of that I've now created something called the run testers there's four journalists who all do the same thing test gear we've got together to help people essentially find the kit that suits them best so we're trying to do all that testing putting in the miles so people can discover things that genuinely work before they go and spend money on them and it's great fun you know we have fun doing it
1: and it's on Instagram and YouTube isn't it
0: yeah, Instagram and YouTube. Yeah, you can find us, the run testers. I think the most gadgets I've been out with is like eight or something. So it can, you can get a little bit obsessed with it, but it's, it's good fun.
1: Well, it's that obsession that I want to tap into today. Over the past year, I think there's been about a million downloads for Couch to 5K. Yeah, So that's a huge number of new runners joining our tribe and getting out there. And I remember as a new runner, I felt really overwhelmed by trainers and also watches. And I do know that I went out and spent a hell of a lot of money on things which I then didn't really need in my training. Yeah. So that's what I'd love to chat about today. Like, what is the best kit? What do people need? What do they not need as a beginner, but they might need further down the line? So that's why I got you back on.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing to see so many new people running that was fantastic that's one of the sort of silver linings i think of the situation we've all been through is that there are far more people enjoying it and realizing that it's a good thing for their mental health as much as their sort of fitness i think has been a really key factor but yeah it can be a really confusing space
1: so should we start at the very beginning and chat about trainers first
0: yeah probably the most important piece of kit right apart from you know obviously you've got to wear some clothes but you know (laughs) beyond beyond shorts and a top (laughs) where you gotta go next and for a beginner runner for me it feels like you know the best option is you're looking for a shoe that's nice and versatile so you've got something that is going to give you the right amount of comfort at that beginner stage it's very important that there's nothing within your kit that is an excuse for you to not go out and run right you need to want to put this stuff on for it to make you feel good to get out of the door so comfort is really key and then you might want a shoe that you can grow into over, let's say, a, the course of you know, six months to a year should you want to pick up the pace or you know, you start to get faster and a bit more confident. You want something that can handle something that's a little bit quicker. So ways to identify which kind of shoes. A, a popular thing to do is to have your gait tested. So you go into a specialist running store, jump on a treadmill, they'd watch you for a bit, and they would be able to identify any strange quirks and your running style that might mean you need a certain type of shoe. It's tricky right now. Obviously, you can't go into a store, but there are some people who are doing online consultations. There's one woman who I, I really rate called Emma Kirk Odenoubi, and she's a, a specialist who used to work for Profi, So she's done lots and lots of gait analysis and she's now offering an online service.
1: We had Emma on the on the show back in season 1 and I think it was one of our very first episodes. Fab. And she is like a footwear bible in a person.
0: <laughs> yeah, amazing. She knows everything. You know, she will she will help you find the right shoes for you for sure because it just help you, you know, go to the area of the shelf that you need to be going for. The other thing I think is really important is to keep an open mind. You know, we're all a bit guilty of having certain brands that we like. There are brands that are trendier than others that we think, you know, those trainers look great. They're, they're cooler than others. But some of the uncool brands might be the best shoes for you. And then I, th- I think finally, when you're looking for the key things to look for, I, th- I like to keep this really simple. If you put a pair of shoes on and they vanish on your foot and you don't notice them anymore. For me, that's a really good sign from the start. And then there's things like, you know, you want to consider room in the toe box. People have different preferences. My preference is to have a lot of wiggle room in the toe box so that my my toes can kind of spread and I have plenty of room up there. Uh, you want to think about getting kind of a nice lockdown down over the, the midfoot, on the top of the midfoot, without too much pinching when you lace them down. And then in the heel area, you want a firm hold, sort of cradles your heel nicely with a bit of cushioning around the back for comfort, not too tight. You want to be able to sort of get a finger down the back. And also all of that needs to come together so you don't have too much sliding forward of the foot as you're running. So those, when it comes to fit, those are the key things.
1: Funny that you mentioned about having room in the toe box at the front, because I did not know that when I first started marathon training because I was a rookie, I was winging it. And I went out and ran my first 15 mile run and I came back and I thought, Oh, my toes hurt a little bit. And then I did it again the next weekend And then by the following weekend, I'd lost my big toenails. And it was purely because my feet had swelled, And then they'd just been compressed constantly in the shoe.
0: And, you know, cramming the toes together across from side to side and then also bashing up against the the top of the the shoe as well was a bad thing. Losing a toenail is a badge of honour, though, as well. So well done for that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but it was going into summer. I was just walking around with four toenails in flip-flops
0: yeah you need us you need some kind of way of telling people what's happened
1: <laughs> yeah I should have been walking around with a badge on <laughs> so that was all great advice so let's move on to in the past year you have tested a hell of a lot of trainers with run testers and I know also just for work as well has there been any kind of standout trainer launch which you've loved
0: yeah I mean this is a really tricky one and I think this year of, of all years the past 12 months we've seen almost like an explosion of, of new shoes and and all brands have really raised their game in terms of bringing out shoes, mainly driven by one brand and one shoe, the Nike Vaporfly first and the Alphafly. These are the carbon plate shoes that Elliot Kipchoge wore to break the two hour marathon barrier. And these shoes have really driven a lot of innovation as people have, brands have tried to catch up with Nike and be competitive. So you will see a lot of carbon plated shoes have come onto the market. Now, kind of it's even led the athletics governing body to change the rules on what's legal for race shoes. It's an interesting debate though. So whether or not you need to have a carbon shoe, most of these are 200 pounds plus and a lot of them are designed for those moments where you're really trying to chase down a PB. My own take on it is that maybe if you're just beginning you don't necessarily need to don't spend that money. There's better shoes out there. But it, you know, one, one shoe that really kind of stands out beyond the Nike's are the uh, Saucony Endorphin Pro. That has been a huge hit in terms of our, our audience on the run testers. Everybody has loved this shoe. It's a raised shoe. It has got a carbon plate. It's designed to kind of really help with the motion from kind of heel to toe. But it's also, it's nicely versatile, this one. Whereas the Nike Alpha Fly, if anyone's seen them, you go and do a search and you'll find them they're quite a chunky shoe. They've got a lot of foam on the bottom and they don't necessarily run like a normal running shoe. The Endorphin Pro look More like a traditional running shoe, and they feel more like a traditional running shoe underfoot, only with a little bit more of a pop in every step. So, I think personally, they're a bit more forgiving for runners when you're fatigued and you're not maybe running in your finest form.
1: And would you wear them just on race day? I mean, you'd use them a bit in training, I suppose, maybe for your speed work, and then you'd run in them on race day when you're chasing down a PB.
0: They're designed for race day, but these I think can be worn outside of that for general training miles as well. Absolutely. I mean, they're £190, so you're still paying quite a lot of money for those. But I, they're an exciting shoe that's launched. Whether or not they're for everyone is is debatable. There's a couple of other notable kind of carbon shoes, the New Balance Fuel Cell TC and the Brooks Hyperion Elite. These are all carbon-plated shoes that run a little bit more like regular traditional shoes in the way they feel underfoot. If you're interested in carbon shoes and you're a beginner, those are the ones to maybe look at first.
1: Could we actually just explain why carbon plates have why they're in trainers, like what is the purpose of them? Because I reckon a lot of people listening in are going to go, okay, that's cool, but actually where is that carbon plate and what does it do?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, they, they sit in different shoes, they sit in different places. So, so right. some of them are full foot-length carbon plates and essentially they're acting in combination with um, what's now being, you know, called a super foam. So lots of people, they've got different foams that are, are more responsive. They, they're lightweight, they add cushioning, but they add spring and response when you kind of toe off. And the, the carbon plates work with that cushioning to almost act like a spring to add propulsion is the kind of simplest way of putting it. They also are designed to bring more kind of running efficiency into your form. So some of them are only half the foot length. Some of them have got the plates are sp- spread so that one of the plates kind of sits under each of your toes. So there's all different brands have come out with different ways of engineering this. Cool. And then I, I think if you look beyond carbon plated shoes some really interesting ones there's the asics nova blast and these are shoes that have got a huge wedge of um, foam underfoot and people have absolutely loved the responsiveness of these shoes they're really cushioned and they're they're a shoe that a lot of people have found for longer mid-paced runs they give you a good balance of cushioning and propulsion I, i couldn't get on with them i found them really energy sapping but some i know there's loads of people who've really really rated these online if you go and look they get a really good response so I think that's quite a good beginner potential shoe okay another shoe is a Hoka Rincon 2 uh, you think you can pick these up for just over 100 pounds so you're sort of coming down in price they're just a really nice easy shoe to run in they're light breathable they're kind of a little bit firm but they're nicely versatile so you can run slower miles in them and then you can also pick up the pace so they're brilliant for everyday miles I, I think these are a really good beginner shoe okay and then f- Another one is the Saucony Ride 13. Joe Pavey runs in these, does her sort of general training miles in these. And again, they're just a great versatile shoe. Really comfortable without being too heavy. Feel nice around the foot. They've got lots of nice padding around the kind of the heel collar and all that kind of stuff that feels a bit luxurious when you step into them.
1: So the Hoka trainer that you mentioned, is it Hoka or is it hoker?
0: It's Hoka one, one It's It's some phrase that means something to do with Flying like the wind or something.
1: Okay, so Hocker
0: Oni Oni. On, yeah, Oni Oni, Oni Oni,
1: You mentioned that you can get a shoe from there for around £100. Have you come across anything which is cheaper than that or is £100 almost like the cheapest you really want to go with the shoe?
0: Yeah, and I, I think this is a, a really good tip. It's not to get too caught up with the current shoes that have come out, you know, you don't need to have the latest ones that have just launched and you can go to older generations of shoes and you'll get bargains. So here's one case in point. There's a, there's a shoe called the Adidas SL20, which is a good shoe. It's a little bit firm, but it is a good shoe. They came out this time last year. They were a hundred pound when they launched. There's now a new version of them, you know, under 12 months later and this old first gen still available. You can get it for 60 quid and they're just as good. You know, so I think if you go back a generation of shoes, uh, you can get the Hoka Rincon 1. I mentioned the 2. The difference between the 2 and the 1 is some slight tweaks to the uppers, but essentially it's pretty much the same shoe. And if you can find the original Rincon 1's fantastic shoe and they'll be half the price.
1: It's funny you should mention that because my favourite shoe ever is the Nike Pegasus 35. And I didn't like the 36. 37s. I think I've worn them a little bit, but still my favourite shoe ever is a 35. And when the old outlets were open, I used to pop to the one in um, Portsmouth and pick them up from there and I could get them for 40 quid. Whereas the new pegs, they're a hundred and something, 140 maybe, I think.
0: Yeah. Some change more than other things, you know, as the generations go through these shoes. So if you also, if you find a pair like that and you know you love them, buy two. Yeah. They're 40 quid and you can afford it. Because if they, they will change them as they go from generation to generation, it's just one of those annoying things they do.
1: I actually did do the most luxurious thing when I was training for a race last time. And I did have two pairs of trainers on the go at the same time, but mostly because I was training through winter and I felt like there was nothing worse than putting on a pair of trainers that was slightly damp. Yeah. And because I'd had found my trainers cheaper, I had two pairs and then I'd, I'd switch them for each run so it always had a nice dry trainer
0: and it's it's supposed to be good for the longevity of those shoes as well because it gives the the midsole foam the chance to expand again between runs so it's supposed to make the shoes last longer too so it might actually be a cost-saving thing as well as a luxury thing right
1: that's exactly why i did it <laughs>
0: <laughs> great excuse.
1: and should we talk about eco kit in the past year i've noticed there's been quite a lot of developments by certain brands and people are now bringing out eco running shoes have you tried any of these and if so what are your thoughts
0: i wrote a piece actually looking at eco-friendly shoes for runners world so I did a big kind of investigative piece to see what the state of play was it's fascinating i mean the industry knows that it needs to up its game I mean, some crazy stats. I think in 2018, there was 1.2 billion pairs of athletic shoes were sold and running was 40% of that worldwide. And by 2023, it's supposed to be 1.37 billion pairs of shoes. So 300 million pairs of shoes in the UK alone are thrown away. And most of those end up in landfill because they're really complicated to take apart and they'll take a thousand years. Most of the materials take a thousand years to degrade. So it's a crazy, crazy problem we've got right now. When you think about a pair of shoes supposed to be designed for 300 to sort of 500 miles, somewhere in between before you have to replace them, that's an awful lot of shoes we've got to get through. So it's interesting to see some big brands making efforts to change this. Adidas is really active in this, probably I think the most active brand in trying to change things. So it's done things, it has a pair of shoes called Adidas Parley Ultra Boost, it uses ocean plastics. So they're gathering ocean plastics, recycling, using that in some of the, some of the materials for the shoes. But they've also created another shoe called the uh, Future Craft Loop, which is a shoe that's made entirely from one material, TPU, and it's designed so the shoe can be broken down and made back into another shoe, which is really fascinating. And then there's another set of newer brands that are changed, trying to disrupt the market a little bit, and that's Vasia, Vivo Barefoot, another brand called Allbirds, and they're trying to get to what they call like a post-petroleum running shoe. So Removing the need for petroleum based plastics in shoes by finding other more sustainable natural materials that can do the same jobs. Salomon has just launched a shoe. I ran with it this morning, actually. And this is the best, this is the best shoe I've ever run in that's, that's recycled. It's made from materials that are designed to be broken down and, and recycled rather than new materials, but it runs brilliant. That was a bit of a revelation this morning. So we're moving towards a place where these shoes can and will perform, I think, close. More closer to you know the things that have got all the super foams and the plastic based shoes, but we're not we're not quite there yet,
1: so it's sounding like these eco shoes are good for the everyday runner, but maybe not so great for like the marathon runner or somebody who's trying to really pick up the pace and is doing speed work and that type of performance based training
0: yeah if you're looking like if you're looking at that sort of marginal gain stuff where you're trying to shave off seconds, they're not quite there yet.
1: Feet sorted. The next thing which I think that keeps people running and interested in running is headphones, because you can either distract yourself with music or listen to a podcast. And if you're always faffing about with your headphones <laughs> and they're never charged and all those type of things, it's just another barrier to running.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You need to you need to remove all of these excuses when you go, oh, my headphones... I've only got 5% battery. So today I'll give it a miss. I'll put them on charge. I'll go tomorrow.
1: Exactly. So that's why I became hooked on Beats a few years ago when Beats bought out the first fast charge. And it was like, if your headphones are dead, you can charge them for five minutes and you get an hour's playback. And I became pretty much obsessed with Beats. But how about you? What what are your kind of favourite headphones to run in and, and why?
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that rapid charge is, is absolutely one of the best things to come on to Bluetooth headphones in recent years. It's, and, and now more and more of them offer it. I've got a pair that do that. I get an hour from about five minutes on charge. And I, I use something called the Jaybird Vista. So they're in-ear buds. They've got little wingtip hooks that kind of can help lock them in place. And um, you get about six hours battery life on the buds themselves. And then there's 10 hours extra in the charging case as well, which is another thing I really like.
1: Yeah, because that is one of the drawbacks of the Beats, which I've got, that the case is pretty big. Like there is no way that you are popping that case in your pocket or you're popping it on a running belt, really, because it would just be clunky and uncomfortable. Yeah. And how much of those do you know?
0: So the, the Vistas are 159 99 You might be able to, again, get them cheaper. I don't know for sure, but I'm predicting that there may be some new ones along soon because those are a couple of years old.
1: And are there any other headphones that you've come across that you really rate?
0: So there's some really different, I haven't tested these, so hands up, or not all of them. One pair that have interested me that have come out fairly recently or about to launch in the UK, they've been announced, uh, Bose have launched some, something called Sport Open Ear Headphones. So they've got, they're open ears, so the buds don't go into your ears. Now, one thing we've had loads of feedback with and is that they can't wear in-ear headphones, they just fall out, they can't get the fit right. So if you've tried going for head buds that have wingtips that help lock into your ears Mm -hmm. and that's still not working for you, next best is to go for something that's got the over ear hook. Now Bose has that, but also the buds don't go right in your ears. So if you don't like that feeling of having things stuck in your ears, they're like little speakers that play the music directly into your ear canal. So I'm told people around you can't hear the music. I haven't tested them.
1: Yeah, because I'd be slightly concerned about that because I don't profess to have like cool music taste. What are you listening Um, to? Okay, so yesterday, for instance, I was doing my couch to 5K. I had Dancing Queen on by ABBA. I was running along and having a great time. And, you know, I just wouldn't want that playing out. Although I was singing and I did go past (laughs) quite a lot of people, so they probably did know what I was listening to.
0: I love a run sing. I mean, that's, you know, a a private party. And then sometimes, you know, it comes out loud.
1: (laughs) But for instance, like sometimes I listen to The Greatest Showman. It really lifts my mood. Love um, The Greatest Showman. But I wouldn't want it coming out of my ears. Yeah. I mean,
0: they, they say that doesn't happen. Okay. The other benefit of this is that you have open ears as well. So you can hear what's going on around you. So. It's a bit like an alternative version of another set of headphones I'll talk about in a set called Aftershocks that use bone conduction technology. The speakers or the little vibrating pads sit on your cheekbones and then they sort of vibrate your cheekbones and move air inside your head. It's a technical <laughs> way to create the sound. So your ears are always open. There's nothing in your in your ear holes. And this, these again, these are hugely popular, on, particularly on beginner running forums and I've never seen another brand get so much positive kind of advocacy as Aftershocks. Once you've tried them people are like I am going to tell everyone about this. And there's a new set they brought out called the Open Move which are 80 pounds. So not crazy money, we're getting, you know, into more affordable. And they have a good 6-hour battery life, you know, so that that's their kind of middling. There's a pair called the Aeropex, the Aftershocks Aeropex. I think they're like 140 odd pounds. They're lighter and more comfortable, but these open moves do a great job. If you're just looking for a piece of kit to, to deliver good music, the sound's not as rich and full as you'll get from proper in-ear headphones, but it's it enables you to hear what's going on around the world, you know, around you as you run.
1: Because I've got Apple AirPods, and I have to say that that transparency mode has been game-changing for my safety while <laughs> I start running, definitely. Because I'm somebody who almost steps into the road and then takes two steps back because I realise what I've just done. So to be able to hear things coming for me has been, you know, a bit of a wake up call to how unsafe I was before when yeah. I basically blocked out the whole world around me while singing to the greatest <laughs> showman.
0: <laughs> as, you, as you go over the bonnet of yeah, still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you mentioned your ones which have the 10 hour battery life in the case and six hours playback in your ears. Have you found any that are real standout for battery life?
0: Well there's there's one and these are they might not be standout for sound. The sound quality isn't the best you can find. You know, they're not gonna match the AirPods Pro or, you know, two hundred pound in-ear headphones, but there's a pair called the J Lab Epic Air Sport ANC. Nice, easy name to remember there. <laughs> <laughs> they're a hundred pounds. So again, you know, they're fairly good for on budget in terms of in-ear buds. They've got an ear hook design, so they'll stay put nicely. And you get 15 hours battery life on the buds themselves. And you can extend the battery life up to with another 55 hours in the charging case. So 70 hours in total.
1: That is mad.
0: Yeah, I mean, 15 hours on the buds alone is more than enough for, even if you're going for most ultras, that'll cover you.
1: Yeah. And also probably quite good for people who use their headphones out on a run and then use them in their, like, their working day whilst they're then at a laptop. Because I often do that. And then it's actually quite frustrating that you're then halfway through a work call, say, or, you know, a Zoom or whatever, and your headphones die. And then you're like scrabbling around.
0: Yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant multi-purpose. And, you know, you'll get, if you always forget to charge them, even though they've got rapid charge, 15 hours is a week, you know, it's a week's worth of training, if not more, depending on how far you're running. But that's, you know, you'll get two, even two weeks out of that if you're doing an hour a day, which is great.
1: So for people who forget to charge all their tech all the time, I'd say they're for you. Should we move on and talk about watches? I feel like we've done feet, we've done ears, and then the next piece of kit is a watch. Now I feel like in the past, I've got I don't know since I, I properly got into my running at about about five six years ago, and at the time it was like you can have a watch, you don't necessarily need one. Now it feels like like the rhetoric is you have to have a running watch to be a runner.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it, people are made to feel like that. I still think that if you're just getting going, there are yeah. loads of apps. If you're going to carry your phone and listen to music, there are apps that will do a really, really good job for you. Loads of metrics. You know, it will track everything that you need to track. The GPS will be as accurate as you need it to be. You can get real-time readouts over your headphones so you're aware of how fast you're running, you know, how far you've gone, all of those things, and you can customise those. So for a lot of people, an app will suffice.
1: And is that Strava?
0: You can use Strava. You can use MapMind Run. There's a, an app called Work Outdoors, which is really great. That works with the Apple Watch. You know, there's, there's so many of them that will be friendly to this. You know, Nike Run Club, mm. which has – Nike Run Club's great because it's got quite a lot of audio-guided sessions. So if you're a beginner, it will take you through all the different kinds of sessions, and it will guide you with coaching in your ear about what you're supposed to do. Like, what's an interval run? Sounds scary. It's not, and these people will tell you, right, now run for – 30 seconds, slightly faster, now slow down. And it's re- it just feels really nice to have someone alongside you doing that in your ear.
1: So actually, for for the beginners out there, their money is probably better spent on headphones, which are going to last through their training and are going to seamlessly sync to their phone and all those type of things, than spending on a watch.
0: I would say so, yeah. I think if, you've, and if you're on a restricted budget, yeah, I would go headphones first and then use your app and then see where you get to. Because I think the other thing that happens is, If you go from being a beginner and you suddenly get more serious and you realise, actually, I'm really good at running, I really enjoy this and I'm loving it and I want to push myself a bit further. At that point, you might want a watch that is a slightly more capable watch than you would have bought first time round.
1: And where would you start with um, that type of watch shopping?
0: So I I think, you know, when you get into it, there are really, really good watches that you can get for under £200. You know, if I was going to recommend one, budget friendly watch right now would be the Garmin Forerunner 35 it does pretty much everything you need to as a beginner runner with a little bit of room to expand into some of the more detailed metrics that you might want to track later on like heart rate zone training and all of that stuff that you might want to get into at some point it's an old generation watch again you can pick it up some places for under 100 pounds now and it's a really good solid reliable you know heart rate tracking's reliable the GPS is reliable enough And it's got that right balance of not overloading you with stats, but having enough.
1: Is Garmin still a runner's go-to? Because a Garmin watch used to be kind of like the identifier that that person was into their running.
0: Yeah. And it's still. I think it still sort of is. Garmin has such a breadth of products in its lineup. There's so many different watches tailored for everybody from sort of casual fitness right through to sort of serious mountain runners. Mm -hmm. So there's something for everyone, and there's such a selection that they're a big sort of powerhouse. But there's some new brands that I think are really interesting as well that have come in to to challenge them. There's uh, one brand is called Coros. Now they've they've got a smaller range. There's about five or six watches, but they're making watches that are a good match for Garmin watches, but come in slightly cheaper. One of their things is they stand out battery life as well. The Coros watches all have fantastic battery life. One of the watches I put in, a, it's a bit like an old Nokia phone. You whack it in the drawer, like one that I've tested. Six months later, I've come back and it's, st- it's still ready to go. It's like, run with me, I'm still here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Everyone has a festival phone that's like yeah. the old school Nokia and yeah. it's and it's
0: still going. This is that watch. It is like you open the drawer and it's like you know, a year later, it's still like, no, it's still ready, I'm still ready. <laughs> one watch I think on, from Coros to look out for is the Coros Pace 2. Now it's 179 pounds or just short, like 180 pounds. And it's got a 30 a hour battery life, which is fantastic again for week long running. That extends up to 60 hours. You can do something where you set the GPS to trigger less frequently. So you don't get quite as accurate tracking, but it means you extend your battery life up to 60 hours. It's super lightweight. It's got a, you know, a huge stack of features, training load, recovery insights with that watch. That's one where you've got so much room to grow. If you want to get more involved in understanding things like how you need to recover right from your runs, when's a good time to run again?
1: Because that's what I've seen come on in the past couple of years is not only watches and tech telling you about how, how good that run was or like what your stats were for that run. They're now telling you, actually, that's what that run was like. And then here's when you can run again based on that run.
0: Yeah, they'll give you recommendations based on that. Some of them now will even read what's happening with you in between. So it will look at your stress levels, look at how well you've slept, and they'll sort of merge all this together and give you a real-time recommendation on how your recovery is going. So with a Garmin, if you do a hard run and then you manage to have a restful day, it can help reduce your overall recovery time recommendation. So rather than, say, 72 hours, it'll come down to, say, 60 hours before you're at at the very best – State to go and run again. Some of this stuff can be a little bit confusing. You have to be wary. It doesn't necessarily mean if it says seventy-two hours, it doesn't mean wait seventy-two hours before you run again. It means it's seventy-two hours before you're going to be back to fully recovered.
1: So you could always go out a little bit early.
0: You can go. Out, <laughs> you <know. laughs>
1: and if money's no object, what's like your standout launch of kind of the past six or twelve months?
0: Oh, there's there's a watch, that, and I'm a, I'm quite a polar fan. And there's a watch called the Polar Vantage V2, a bit more for advanced runners, perhaps. But they, they're starting to add a new way of looking at your running and your overall running wellness. So they've got something that's really called like a leg recovery test. It's really simple to perform. You do three jumps, and the height of those jumps sets a baseline for, I guess, your muscle power.
1: Yeah.
0: Go and do a hard run. The next morning, you can go back and do the jump test again. And then it would look at how high you've jumped, and it will tell you, OK, you're way below what you were before. It's time to, you know, today maybe your, your muscles aren't recovered.
1: How interesting.
0: Most of the watches currently tell you whether or not your cardiovascular system is recovered, so whether or not you're ready to go again from a cardio point of view. This is starting to layer on another bit of information that will help you say, OK, I'm, my heart's ready to go and also my calves can <laughs> do it again. It's a really good way of benchmarking where you are right now versus you know do it a month later and you can see how you've improved hopefully
1: is that the watch which you'll wear for your own training as opposed to all the other watches which you wear for work
0: <laughs> I yeah I mean I, I have to yes yeah, I use this as well for another reason there's the the Polar of has some, a really cool feature that I really like called fuel wise essentially you could you input how how long you're going to run so let's say I'm going to run a marathon I tell it I'm going to run a marathon I tell it roughly how long I think it's going to take me and I tell it what intensity I think I'm going to run at. So what percentage, what heart rate zone I'll run in. And then it will tell me what I need to eat based on my carbs and how often I need to eat it in order to fuel that run. So it takes some of the guesswork out of, particularly if some of the runs I do like Ultra, it takes the guesswork out of fueling for those distances. You can prepare what foods to carry from that. Or if you're running a mountain, you can look at how many gels you might need to eat. And then during the run, it looks at your real time heart rate. And let's say you run harder and faster than you'd planned it'll adjust when you need to eat your food in order to fuel that run in real time
1: god that sounds so clever because i think a lot of runners do get tripped up by the whole nutrition side and a lot of runners talk about hitting the wall and i've had quite a few experts come on the show in the past and they're like actually if you fuel properly you shouldn't hit the wall
0: absolutely and it keeps you on top of it and then it'll nudge you it'll just give you a little vibration on the wrist and say it's time to eat And it's just a really good indicator. You can, like all these things, they're good for guidance. They don't have to be prescriptive. And you're Mm. good for you to understand your body and listen to it and learn it yourself. So you can do it without these things. But it's, again, if you're a newcomer, that's such a useful thing to have on your wrist. If you're, let's say you're at the point where you've decided you're going to do a half marathon and that first run can be very daunting when you're going out to do two hours. It can be very daunting to think about how am I going to eat? What do I need to eat? This watch will take some of that pain away for you.
1: I've um, been testing the new Apple Watch, the Apple Watch 6, and whilst it doesn't have those functionalities, there's a couple of things which I really like on it. So I like the fast charge that we were talking about earlier with the headphones, and you can get 100% in one and a half hours, I think it is. But the simple metrics on that watch, which is the rolling mile and the current pace, yeah. I really enjoy. And it comes back down to, it just takes out all the fear of running for me. So like how you've just mentioned about your watch helps you fuel those for me, just, I can literally just look at my wrists and it's like, it tells me exactly what I'm doing and what I've done in the past mile. And it just takes the fear out of having to like make those calculations in my head, Yeah, which I found that I was doing with other, with other kind of tech.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a definite argument for having something that's very simple and sticking to, even if you've got a watch that has more metrics available, when you're starting out to focus on one or two. So you can, most of them, you can customize the screen as well. So you can, you know, focus on just one or two big metrics on your watch. They're easy to see and just use that as your kind of guiding principle.
1: I really want to talk to you about the Peloton treadmill because I know that you've been testing out the Peloton. I'm very lucky to have had a Peloton and of testing it out, and it, but definitely haven't put it through its paces how I know you would have because of my postpartum journey. So talk to me about the Peloton treadmill. What's your honest thoughts on this? What is kind of a little bit of like forward thinking, massive running kit, I suppose.
0: Yeah. I mean, first thing I should say, I'm, I run outdoors. I love running outdoors. I live somewhere in the New Forest. So I've, I've got trails, endless trails at my kind of beck and call. Cool. And I, I'm very much coming at this from somebody who likes to be outdoors. I'm not necessarily the Peloton's target market. Mm. I, was, I was really, really surprised at how I enjoyed being indoors running on the treadmill. It's like when you first switch it on, it's like a, it's like entering a very different universe of running. It's bright. It's, it's lively. It's uh, motivational. And it just feels very well put together. I think from the calendars through to how you select a session, through to the audio and the loudness of the speakers. And I was, I was really impressed with that. The experience is really immersive. And I think if you're someone who doesn't necessarily like running or it's a struggle to get motivated to run, two things, the convenience of having it in your house. So you can just jump on at any point. It's really easy to squeeze in a 30 minute workout, right? When you, when time is really tight, and I'm sure you're sort of finding this, you can, Just jump on quickly 30 minutes and you can feel like a different person. That's a really, really attractive thing for me.
1: I was surprised at by, whilst it isn't the quietest, how I thought it was going to be louder. So my husband isn't a small man. And uh, I was concerned that with him sprinting or doing hard, hard runs with music, so quite hard animated runs because you've got the brilliant instructors shouting at you and motivating you, I was concerned that I was still going to be able to hear that within our kitchen because it's just the wall behind. Actually, you could hear slight footsteps, but it wasn't the crashing around and the banging that I thought it would be. Was it like that in your house or...?
0: I, th- I think so. And the other interesting thing is that my wife never runs, right? She, she's, she's totally not a runner. When she first saw this thing arrive in the hallway, she's like, what have you done to us? This is an outrage. Because <laughs> I didn't tell her. I had, I had it delivered by surprise because I knew it wouldn't go down well. And then gave it a week. She got on and did one session, went back, and then she was using it three times a week. She was probably on it as much as I was. And that, that speaks volumes for me about how valuable that could be as a piece of kit. Whether or not that happens with a normal treadmill, I don't know. But the other thing to I think is important, you can, you know, if you've got a treadmill, you can use the Peloton app and you can still get the coaching via the app. You have to pay the subscription, which I believe is £40 per month for the app access. Yeah. You can also use the Peloton app outdoors. So you can get the coaching. You don't have the increments that are natural kind of to the treadmill, you know, upping it by point one of a of on speed, but you know roughly when they say speed up a bit, speed up a bit, you know. So you can use it outdoors as well which is a really interesting thing. So it might be worth, if you're wondering whether or not you should invest that two and a half grand or £2,200, have a play with the app first, have the experience and see what you think.
1: Because I've had a lot of people ask me about it. And I think my honest response to them is, are you planning to go back to a gym? If you're not planning to go back to a gym or you're not planning to spend on boutique classes, then actually it can be a fantastic replacement for that because probably a bit like your wife, like I haven't been regularly running. And so for me to be on a treadmill at the moment, it has to be a brilliant experience. And I almost want to have the distraction of the instructor and the music to keep me on that treadmill. And I found that it really did. Like I was doing 30 minute power walking classes and I never got bored. I never really clock watched. I enjoyed seeing my heart rate in the corner, but it wasn't so in my face that it like almost shamed me about my kind of current level of fitness. It was there if I wanted it and it was a great experience. And so, yeah, I really enjoyed it for that.
0: I think there's one thing that I would like them to bring to it. And I know this is a bit about the Peloton ethos. It feels like the Peloton ethos is a little bit to go hard right you go you work hard you're always edging a little bit more trying to squeeze out a little bit more and I I get that you know that's it's natural that's what happens in boot camp classes it's it's kind of why a lot of people go it's what they sort of need but experience has told me I can't do those sessions four times a week that hard there are sessions that are a little bit gentler but I think the the heart rate the leaderboard does basically reward harder work I think there's a there's a space in Peloton. I do hope they add it where people could also be rewarded for lower intensity activity because that's just as important in the the whole mix, right? To building out your overall fitness and well being. They might argue that look, recovery runs and stuff are not made for treadmills, but I think it would be useful to do something that you know you can get on and, and you get rewarded for keeping your heart rate below a certain rate.
1: That's a really good point, actually, because so my my husband, the big heavy runner, he wasn't a. runner. <laughs> till the treadmill arrived as well he he was testing it for his job at men's health and the treadmill arrived and he obviously got on and he did his testing and then he's become really hooked but he actually said i need to not be doing the boot camp classes every single day because i'm very much aware of like the toll it takes on my body like great to push myself but i need the recovery and he's got on and done a recovery run and now he's been forcing himself to make use of the Peloton membership and do their yoga classes yeah, and get on the mat and stretch. So, yeah, maybe they need almost just like it needs to pop up and it needs to be like your ideal week. Take two boot camp classes. Do this. Do that. Because I There's, think there, yeah, it just needs to maybe be put in front of people a bit more. One of
0: the coaches, Bex Gentry, is on there she's brilliant at recommending that so she does when she's doing her coaching you're on a hard session she will say to you make sure that this isn't what you're doing the entire week that this is about building you up as a a rounded runner they've got some programs as well so there is a couch to 5k program on there and there's other things i would like to see more kind of programmatic stuff where you can follow you know up to a 10k up to a half all those kind of things all you know i think they'll build that out as time comes but i I loved it and i didn't think i would love it as much as i did i'm not looking forward to when i have to give it back basically (laughs)
1: Neither are we. Neither are we. I think we're actually going to invest purely because we don't see ourselves going back to the gym, especially not with having now having a baby. We don't have, you know, five hours a week each to go and spend in a nice London gym. And so for us, we we will be doing gym sessions, but they are going to be home based, really. Or if we got to a gym, it will be more once or twice a week. So we're going to take that cash and invest it into a piece of kit where we can have a fun time and build our fitness
0: yeah fantastic
1: can we move on to ah, a quick fire round because now i've realized that we really are running out of time and i would love just to dig into your kind of extensive running closet a little bit more so i'm going to ask you a question and you've got to say the first thing that comes into your head okay, okay. your favorite running jacket brand
0: is the is the omm Kamielka. it's the original mountain marathon oh
1: And does it keep you dry in the rain?
0: You can pour bottles of water on it. It just runs off. It's fantastic. It's good. It's got that good balance of not too hot as well. It's warm, waterproof. It's perfect. It's got some pockets. Pockets are underrated.
1: (laughs) Best running socks?
0: My favourite running socks are something called X-Bionic socks. They're not cheap, but I've run with these across the desert. I've done hundreds of miles in them and I haven't had any blisters. So it's one of those things. Once I've used them, I'm never changing that. It's never changed.
1: And guys, if you don't know why socks can give you blisters, go back to the episode in season one with Emma Kirk O'Donoghue, and she explains exactly why running socks are worth spending on to save you from blisters. Okay, Kieran, a piece of kit you've had for three years or more.
0: So I've got an old Champion Sports, is a brand from the past, <laughs> base layer. I think it's like a JD Sports own brand, but Champion Sports base layer that I've worn for. Every single one of my 42 marathons, I've had it since 2019, it's grey, it was white, it's now grey, it's got tiger balm stains all over it, it's the muckiest, horrible. But it's been very, very kind to my nipples, and I think we all need that. All runners need nipple kindness, so it doesn't chafe. And once again, that's a mistake you only ever make once, so that always goes on.
1: I love that. And how about a running app you use on every run?
0: And I, so I'm difficult with running apps because I'm sort of changing them up. But I guess Spotify, Strava uh, are my go-to. They're, they're the ones that I'll be using to track and listen to music. I think Spot- if I had to only choose one app, it would be Spotify. Music is important to me, definitely.
1: You must be the type of person that pays for a premium membership so you don't get the ads.
0: I am, absolutely, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Can't be dealing with ads in between my greatest showman tracks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: nothing kills more joy in that moment than you know you're having a good sing song you're really going for it and then you suddenly get served an ad about Tiger Balm
0: yeah and the great can we talk we need to talk about The Greatest Showman being a brilliant album to run to It sort of ebbs and flows doesn't it it's like the perfect follows your running journey if you're out for for that long if you go to these sort of highs and lows it's magic I love it it's
1: like it's... <laughs> you actually you clearly actually do it guys if you're in and you haven't run to the greatest showman and you need something which is gonna set your soul on fire and really like get you back loving running again whack on that playlist
0: do it do it it's great
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh kieran it's been so great chatting to you and thank you so much for all of your insight i really hope everyone listening in had a pen and paper to write down all those recommendations and if you didn't then you can follow kieran and his pals doing the run testers Kieran, can you just share exactly what the handles are so that people can can follow you guys and see all this running action live?
0: Yeah. So on Instagram, you'll get us at the run testers. And then on YouTube, if you just pop in the run testers into the search bar, you'll find us on our YouTube channel there as well. I'm also at Man v Miles on Instagram as well. That's my own personal account. So you'll be able to find your way to the run testers through that. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure to come in and share some of the stuff I've been testing.
1: Brilliant. When's your next run?
0: Probably tomorrow. Yeah, I did. I got mine in early this morning.
1: Nice. Well, enjoy that run. And I hope everyone listening in, you've enjoyed your run and I will see you next week. Thanks very much. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you found some of this advice helpful. And remember, if you do like the podcast, then please rate, review and subscribe. It really helps other runners find us. Plus, you can also keep up to date with other runners in our virtual crew by using the hashtag Wellfar on Instagram and by joining the new Welfar Club on Strava. I look at all your posts and updates and it absolutely makes my day.